This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction Show. A pre-recorded uh, Raw Reaction Show this morning that is dropping as a premiere live on the channel. So there is a chat box available, but I am not available here to answer questions. Reason being, as I'm shirted up, as you can see, um, is that I'm in the office this morning, so I don't have the available time uh, to do a show at 8am. But I thought I would get up early and record some thoughts before heading out to work and uploading this to the channel. So I hope that you can appreciate that. Do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Obviously, I'm here in somber circumstances to talk about what is effectively the death of Arsenal's title challenge. Um, Yes, it's not completely over mathematically, but City just need one win in their last three games against Chelsea, Brighton or Brentford to confirm the title uh, being theirs um, and effectively would need to basically lose, uh, pretty much lose, maybe draw one, all of their remaining games and Arsenal would need to beat their last two games for any hope at all, uh, you know, of Arsenal uh, having a chance at the at the title, which I think we can all agree is probably not going to happen. How did we get here? Well, yesterday's 3-0 defeat to Brighton is certainly the big reason behind that. A really disappointing um, day, a day that I think a lot left a lot of Arsenal fans angry. Uh, and I have sympathy for that anger, absolutely. I didn't find myself angry. I found myself gutted and disappointed. And, you know, on the train home and as I was finishing off with work and I was, you know, writing um, what I needed to write about the game and I'm going to do some more writing this morning, it, it's helped me kind of reflect upon more so the season. Um I've seen a lot of views on mainly on social media, which I know is not the best place to uh, <laughs> to get kind of a, a consensus of of thoughts because it can be a very provocative environment. But I wanted to talk to you guys more so about kind of what the game means in general, what the season means in general, because I feel as though this is kind of a this game kind of puts a, a bit of a bookend on on the season. We've still got two games to come, and we will discuss them, and we will discuss the season as a whole when it de- indeed does finish. Um, but I found myself reflecting. I wrote a a lengthy tweet that I put out yesterday kind of summarising my thoughts. And what I don't want 
to happen is I don't want people to take this season away from you, be that media, be that rival fans, be that fellow fans. I don't want people to take away what this season has been and what this season means for us. You know, on paper, it's really easy to sit there and say that Arsenal have, have had a good season. They've progressed, yes, um, but they've not won anything. And so how can it be therefore defined as success? For me, this season has been an overriding success. Um and that's just my opinion and the context of how I see things. And I'm going to try and explain to you my reasons as to why I think it's a successful season, even though a piece of silverware wasn't picked up. And that's always, for me, in the context and the opinion that I have around measuring success for Arsenal is, is progression and seeing us move towards the goal that I want us to move towards, which is winning titles again, which is competing for the biggest and best trophies in the world. There is only so many available. In fact, there are four at the beginning of the season that Arsenal can go for. And Arsenal are up against a hell of a lot of big teams to be able to get there to do that. Now, this season, Arsenal have overcome nearly all of them in terms of the Premier League. And the only one that we didn't manage to overcome, or rather, most likely won't be able to overcome at this point, is Manchester City. And there are two key reasons, I think, being why Arsenal weren't able or aren't going to win the title this season. That the key one for me is our opponents, Man City. You know, we bemoaned the draw against Southampton. We bemoaned the draw against West Ham. And we'll even bemoan this defeat to Brighton. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if City win their last three games, if Arsenal had have beaten Brighton today, if we would have beaten Southampton, if we would have beaten West Ham, we still would have been behind them most likely on goal difference. The City's uh, superior goal difference. And if they'd have won their last three games, of course, the improvement of that goal difference as well would have most likely meant that City would have, even though we would have been on matching points with them, uh, would have seen us still fall away in terms of picking up that trophy. And that's the difference. Now, I know that Mark Goldbridge, for instance, isn't always the bastion of common sense. And I don't particularly agree with all of his views, especially on Manchester United. But a viral clip went around yesterday about him talking about the idea of Arsenal bottling the league. And I think even BBC Sport posted a picture of um, the word bottled trending. Um, and look, people can revel in the fact that Arsenal aren't winning the league this season. But look, revel while you can. And if you're one of those people that are really down on Arsenal and you're really critical of Arsenal and you yourself are reveling in this fact that Arsenal have, in your mind's bottled the league, I'd say look again. I'd say look again at what Arsenal have done in the last three years because We've arrested the slump from the end of Arsene Wenger's time and what never particularly improved under Unai Emery and was certainly sliding at the start of his second season in charge for the reasons why we had to move him on to the point where we were in 11th place when Mikel Arteta took over in 2019. And you fast forward to what he's done in less than three years at the start of this season to beyond three years come the end of this season to take Arsenal from the point of being outside of European competition bar qualifying through the FA Cup victory in 2020. We were eighth still that season. He arrested that slide. He's turned that slide around and we've moved it towards a position where Arsenal are competing for a title. And still I wavered. And still along that way, I sit there and I'm not some bastion of, hey, look at me. I was right all this time. I weren't. I was wrong. Because in 2021, when we got knocked out by Villarreal, I weren't happy at all. I weren't happy. I didn't see a place to go forwards from here. I couldn't see the progression through the fog of disappointment. I couldn't see the way in which we'd improved so much, the principles being established, the overhaul taking place. I couldn't see where my priorities at that time I wanted to be sorted actually needed to be sorted 
slightly later and instead we moved out the deadwood we overhauled the squad we integrated a culture we integrated a play style and our manager became better as a coach and it led us into this season where Arsenal have gone well far and beyond what any of us expected us to achieve this year and I find myself looking back at this season going yeah I'm gutted I'm absolutely gutted about the fact that we weren't able to take it all the way. The fact that we weren't able to most likely get 95 points, which is what is most likely will be needed, at least 90 plus points to beat Man City. But instead, while still feeling gutted, I actually feel a sense of excitement. Oh, it's great to be an Arsenal fan again. It's great to feel like I can walk down the street wearing that cannon on my chest and feel like, hey, people are going to look and go, wow, that guy's lucky to be an Arsenal fan now. Look where they're going. Look what they're achieving. I wish, you know, speaking if you're a Chelsea fan or a United fan or a Liverpool fan or a Spurs fan, and look and go, I wish my club was showing the progression that they are. I wish my club was showing the, uh, the front to be able to look like a side that can challenge Manchester City. And I'm really really excited about what the future holds and that excitement burns through the disappointment that I felt at the end of yesterday's game against Brighton as I sat there in the Emirates with my head in my hands thinking how on earth have we allowed this to happen and in reflection I think there are some key reasons I mentioned the first reason of the two of why I don't think we've won this season being our opponents and the juggernaut of winning mentality and consistency and just dominance that they are who have beaten us twice this season and frankly deserve to win the league based on footballing reasons alone of what's gone on the pitch off pitch side we can talk about another day but uh, the second reason is I'm so sick and tired of these injuries and I'm sure there are people that are sick and tired of me and other people bringing up injuries as a reason as to why we find ourselves coming short of our end of season expectations now the irony is of course last season had we have finished in the top four we would have gone beyond what people kind of expected of us and if we'd have won the league this season again we would have gone beyond what people expected us and arguably finishing second is still for plenty of people I'd say the majority of people well beyond what they thought of us this season and yet we still look back at the season and go if only we didn't get those injuries if only we hadn't lost Gabriel Jesus for the full season if only we hadn't have lost Thomas Partey in key games like the Manchester United game earlier this season, like the Manchester City home game earlier this season. And then the biggest one of all for me is the double injury to William Saliba and Takira Tomiyasu in the same game. Now, this is where you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't ask Arteta to be better in Europe, to have a better record in Europe, and then moan at Arteta for using Saliba or Tomiyasu in that Europa League game against Sporting. Could we have not done that? Sure. Does it mean that he wouldn't have got injured in training the next day? No. It's incredible bad luck, unfortunately, that both Saliba and Tommy Asu um, both were injured. And it meant that we had to go down to our fourth-choice right-sided centre-back because our third choice had to continue playing at right-back. And despite the fact that we spent over £130 million since Rob Holding was the starter uh, on players that could play ahead of him, like Ben White, like William Saliba, like Tommy Asu, and then in January, like Kivior, Holding came in. And uh, we won those two games against uh, Leeds and Crystal Palace. And obviously then we went to Anfield. And I think that moment at Anfield is probably where things start to come unstuck. I think if Arsenal managed to get that victory at Anfield, whether Holding starting, Kivior starting, whether, I don't know, Albert Stuvenberg goes in at centre-back for a game. You know, I think Arsenal are in a far, far better position mentality wise um, to take on those next challenges after having a victory at Anfield that wasn't the case 
And uh, I think what was highlighted a lot during that game was obviously the in-game management of Mikel Arteta, how substitutions need to be better, how reaction to certain game instances need to be better. And this is part of Mikel Arteta's repertoire of abilities and characteristics and skills as a coach that I think is his biggest area of development. And if I was sitting here saying that at 41 after, what, 40, 41? After three seasons that we have the perfect coach in his first role, you know, that would be an incredible, amazing achievement that what we've got, Mikel Arteta. But what actually what we've got is probably the best young coach in the world who is doing things, again, well beyond expectation. And if we're looking for areas to critique him, we're talking about in-game management, which after three seasons gives him a wealth of experience and knowledge and understanding also of, of what's gone wrong. He's very reflective. He's very self, uh, or rather, he looks inwards as a manager. And I have complete faith that in the summer and after hearing him speak after the Brighton defeat, that everything from this season is going to be looked back on, that there's going to be reflection, that there's going to be ruthlessness in the summer and that he knows what's needed. We know he knows what's needed because they put a 70-plus million pound bid in for Moises Caicedo in January. They were nearly going as high as 100 million for Mudrick. This club isn't the financially restricted wounded animal that maybe it used to be. This club now is coming back with intent. It's coming back with the idea of competing. It wants to strengthen. And you should want it to strengthen too. I don't want to hear that Granit Xhaka needs to be moved on. I don't necessarily want to hear that Kieran Tierney needs to be moved on. I want to hear that you want to see Arsenal being positive, proactive and smart in the market. And what that is, is by reinforcing. It's that when we go up against Manchester City, who can rest Grealish and rest De Bruyne, and bring in, you know, the likes of Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez, etc., and Julian Alvarez, you know, that's the target. That's what you're up against. That's the difference between us and Man City this season. And I have real faith that Arsenal know that is what is the gap between ourselves and them, and that they will strive this summer to reinforce, not replace, but reinforce this squad that is in a better position in order to go forwards and achieve things. Now, in yesterday's game, just to focus back slightly, because I'm concerned about going off too much on a tangent away and not looking enough on yesterday's game. We, for some time, have been talking about the vulnerability of Alexander Zinchenko defensively in that that Liverpool game at Anfield, I think, certainly undermined perhaps the end part of his season and that the idea of bringing Kieran Tierney on earlier in that game would have meant the game ended differently. Well, based upon how Kieran Tierney performed after he came on for the last few moments and the two defensive errors that he made that nearly cost us all three points. I don't necessarily think that that's the wisest point of reflection, but at the same time, I and others still would have liked to have maybe seen Tierney come in at Newcastle to see him shore up the defence somewhat. I think in yesterday's game, I and others have been enlightened to just, just how important Alexander Zinchenko is. Now, I think that most of us knew how important that he is to our build-up and that maybe we were willing to do a bit of a trade-off in terms of defensive vulnerability and bring Tierney in to shore up that defence a bit. But I think what we've learned, and rather a harsh lesson that we've learned, and one that we are going to have to take, unfortunately, as a bitter pill for us, because we don't like being wrong. But I'm here to you holding my hands up. I was wrong. I was wrong about Alexander Zinchenko and just the fact that I wanted to see Kieran Tini come in. I completely underestimated how important, not only when you're without William Saliba, but what losing Zinchenko does to the control that Arsenal have in the team. Now, Kieran Tini's passing was, if you look at the 
statistics in comparison to Alexander Zinchenko, fractions of the frequency of passes that we see from Zinchenko. And when you don't have your two most progressive players, which are Saliba and Zinchenko, it seriously creates a detrimental impact upon how you can control a game, on how you keep the ball, on how you recover the ball, on how you move it after you've taken back possession, the way that you move it forwards, the spaces that players can occupy after the certain players that are great and influential in our progressive play are in possession. Bakaya Saka has been wrongly, I feel, identified as someone who's, quote, tired who is not doing as well as he previously is. I think that Tim Stillman, in a conversation I had between myself, Aaron Catterson-Reed, colleague at Football London, and, and Tim pointed out that if you, look at Saliba, if you look at Saka's statistics and output after Saliba has been absent, there is a dramatic drop-off, a really noticeable drop-off. And I think that that is perhaps maybe something that people have underestimated is the impact on Saka that Saliba being absent has. Now, the argument that I think that people may be coming to their minds when I start putting a lot of emphasis on the absence of Saliba and Tommy Asu is, well, why on earth did we not go and sign someone then? Why is Rob Holding still coming in? Well, I've already talked about the misfortune around losing both Tommy Asu and, of course, Saliba at the exact same time during a game, which sucks. But the fact of the matter is, is that, as I've mentioned, Arsenal have already spent a lot of money to make sure that Rob Holding is as far from the starting eleven as really feasibly possible. Over 100 million on Tomiyasu, Saliba and Ben White. And of course, Kivior added to that now as well. Arsenal have done some great work in the window. I'm not looking back at January as a failure. I'm looking back at January as the reason why we were able to continue our title charge as long as we did. Because Jorginho Trossard and then to a lesser extent in a couple of games, Kivior has proven that that reinforcement was necessary was needed and that we were the right team and we were rather the right people to make those decisions in charge to get those players through the door. And there was intent for more. If you've got any questions about why didn't Arsenal do this, why didn't Arsenal that, why didn't Arsenal go and spend 100 million? Because Teddy wasn't for sale in the end and that sucks. We really went to try and get him done. 70 million pounds. Huge amounts of money on a player that came in a year ago for less than five, I think it was. You know, Arsenal pushed to try and get some big, big money deals done in that January window. And ultimately, in the end, it didn't prove necessary. But did they go out and get no one? No. They still spent an amount of money which took our season spending to a record 200 million plus. And that, I can't look back on and go, well, you should have bought more players. Because I think Arsenal spent nearly as much as they could they could have spent a bit more had they had their offers accepted, of course. But with the time remaining, they pivoted. They got Jorginho. They pivoted. They got Trossard. And they brought in Kivior to strengthen the defence, which I think we can talk about as being responsible for, in part, those successful performances at both Newcastle and against Chelsea. Fortunately, it couldn't quite carry on through to Brighton. In the summer, we know what we need to do. In the summer, I'm excited about what we've done already, and I'm excited about what we might see from last summer and last January continue onwards into that summer transfer window. We need to be ruthless. We need to move players out. And when we move players out, Edu needs to be better at selling. He needs to get more money in for those players, and we need to make sure that we improve our reputation in the sales market. But after yesterday's game, no, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. I'm gutted. Don't let anybody take away what a season this team has had. Don't let anybody take away 
the clear fact of the progression that this team has made defensively, in its midfield, in its strengthening the way that we play, our philosophy, in strengthening the principles of what we need to need to basically apply to the team to achieve our goals, the progression beyond what anyone expected. Don't let anyone take away the achievement of Mikel Arteta, the introduction of the style of play that has been so good at blowing teams away this season. Don't let anyone take away the genuine reasons why Arsenal's end-of-season run has unfortunately stuttered at it as it is. William Saliba and Tommy Asu's injuries are a reason, not an excuse. They are a genuine reason behind why Arsenal's performances dropped off. And unfortunately, at this point in time, in 22-23, after three years of Arteta and the investment that's gone on behind the scenes to completely overhaul this squad, move players out, invest in moving players out and bring some really talented players in that some people had written off already. Some people had said that Martin Odegaard, not good enough, and yet he's still on the brink of breaking the Premier League scoring record for non-penalty goals for a midfielder in a season. You know, people had written off Jorginho when he came in. People have written off Gabriel as a defender. People have written off Ben White before he even signed for us and kicked the ball. Oh, William Saliba, where's he going to play well? Look what Mikel Arteta did with Ben White and Saliba this season, and look what he created of our defence. Why are we bringing in Zinchenko when we've already got Tierney? Well, we've added one of the most progressive, ball-influential players that there is in the game to our left-hand side. And I think a lot of us then underestimated just how important he is when he's not there and how many of us wrote off Granite Xhaka. And look what Mikel Arteta has done to Granite Xhaka. Look how he's improved him as a player and made it so that we should all be campaigning for him to stay and face competition from the brilliant midfielder that we hopefully bring in or two in the summer transfer window. Don't let anyone take away the work that Edu Gaspar has done, the improvements that he's made, the signings that he's tried to bring in, the ruthlessness in which he's moved for certain targets and still come up short, unfortunately, but also the measure that he's shown so that Arsenal don't make some big mistakes, so that they don't go over the top for players like Mihailo Madrid. And then pivot rather brilliantly to a player like Leandro Trossard, who, along with Jorginho, has certainly enabled Arsenal to continue their title charge for as long as it has done. Don't let anyone point towards the ownership. It's boring. We've been there. We've done it. Cronky out. We spend, you spend. Sorry, Mo. You know, we've been there. But since 2018, Arsenal have come a long way. And Arsenal have progressed towards getting as close to Man City as we ever have. And we've invested a lot of money as well. You can't have your cake and eat it too, as I say. You can't criticise Arteta for spending loads of money and not yet winning a title and then point the finger at the Cronkies for not spending enough. doesn't work that way. You can't have your double standards, I'm afraid. Don't point your finger at them. They're in, they are invested. They are willing to invest. They were willing to put up another 100 of million in January if we wanted them to. And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that investment pushed forward into that summer window. If they don't spend after that summer window, you, we can have talks then. But there's no evidence to suggest to me that that is not going to happen at this stage. The intent is there from our ownership. Stan, I don't really have too many words on Stan. Josh Kroenke, meanwhile, you know, I I'm, I'm, I have faith in, in his vision for Arsenal. I have faith in what he's got in terms of his intent for Arsenal. People can call me naive if they want, but I think I've seen enough in these last few years, besides the Super League fiasco, which they admitted was an error. Uh, but I've seen enough in these last few years to tell me that what their ambition is, or what Josh's ambition is from an ownership perspective, is to create Arsenal 
a side that can compete at the top, that can continue to invest, and that can make up for the losses financially that we've made. You know, don't let anyone take away this season from you. Don't let anyone take away the joy that we've felt at times, the hope that we've shared, and the excitement that I think still persists very much in me and plenty of others going into next season. Yeah, Chelsea are going to be better. Liverpool are going to be better. Newcastle are going to be better. United are going to be better. We hear this every season. They're always going to be better. Chelsea were meant to be better last season. Where are they now? Spurs were meant to be better. Where are they now? Spurs got an Antonio Conte. Come on. How can we compete with a manager like Antonio Conte? We did. We battered you, mate. We've moved on and so have you. Arsenal are, as a club, in such a good position. And I am so buzzing in terms of what I might see as a club. And while some people may laugh at us now, I can't wait to see what happens next season. If it's rubbish, I'll be the first one to hold my hands up and say, oh, wow, how ignorant was I? But I'm willing to bet that it won't be rubbish. And I'm willing to bet that we'll go again and we'll add players and hopefully we have another successful season and can add some silverware to measure that success with something tangible and something that we can grab hold of. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry that I haven't gone into too much analytical detail about the Brighton game. I felt I needed to get some things off my chest and I feel like I've done that. And uh, now I've got to shoot off quickly and get this uploaded for you guys uh, whilst I then head off to work. Uh, so thank you for listening. I'll probably do some extra talk and podcasting to talk about maybe Brighton in more detail. I might be doing an Arsenal Lounge show tonight. I can't confirm if that is indeed the case or not, but uh, there might be some more discussions about the Brighton game tonight on that. If not, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8am and I'll do some extra stuff on the Brighton and answer your questions as well about the Brighton game in more detail. As I said before, thank you for listening. Do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you're new and turn those notifications on so you never miss a show. I'll see you again very soon. Have a fantastic Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Take your mind off the football if you can. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.